here we go for another episode of FileMaker Talk. Matt, we're here, Matt. we're back. Squared. Yes. Two. And what the people can't see is they can't see us dancing to we our own little music. dance with that theme. I hope everyone else does too, because it's good. Welcome to the um, Claris Database Podcast. What are we going to call it now? The Claris Talk? <laughs> I think we're still good with FileMaker. FileMaker Talk. They're not gonna, they didn't now. rename the product. So, Also, I think I heard somewhere some quote or something that uh, I think the new product manager, Srini, I think is his name. It said that he had made some type of quote where 90% of their resources are going into FileMaker. Which mm-hmm. is, I'm all for that. Uh, I mean, obviously, as a yeah. company, they're they're focusing on branching out and you know getting more of those dollars from other avenues. But hey, if FileMaker yeah. gets the benefit right now, I'm all for it. Yeah, well, ninety percent now, but you know, once other products come out and and gain success, when you have multiple products, you have to throw the resources into the ones that are successful and stick in the market. So, I yes. hope there are many more that come that come along. Hopefully, you make. The money from it, which, you know, yeah. you, you've heard of the Claris Connect, right? Yeah. I mean, who hasn't? So the interesting thing that I think a lot of FileMaker developers have about Claris Connect and how they're going to integrate is I think that they think there's going to be some type of magical connection. But Claris Connect is just an API, and you have to connect to it the same way that you've had to connect to any other API, which would be Zapier or anything else. So you're probably going to be using the insert from URL and having to use curl unless they put in easier functions to, to um, it. Yeah. I haven't played with it yet, but I'm guessing from what I'm hearing from the configuration of the Claris connect engine, it's much, much easier than that. Things that would take you many hours to do with the, the data API and with Zapier, you can do in minutes with Claris connect or an hour. Well, that's, that's just their configuration UI, which is in the web, because you're not going to... Yeah, I don't yeah, think they're going to put the configuration inside of FileMaker. I'm pretty right. sure. I'm pretty convinced they won't. Yeah, it's the configuration UI on the web, not something inside of FileMaker. From, that's the part that I've heard makes it go a ton faster. But yeah, you're right. On the FileMaker side, having to do insert from URL and deal with curl and deal with all the complexities in that road, um, I don't know how that's going to be made simpler at this point. I, I'd love to know, but um, I think we have to wait a little bit things to ship yeah i mean we're they just got out filemaker cloud yes so uh what are your thoughts so quite a few actually (laughs) (laughs) speaking of i'm uh i'm thrilled that they're really taking the cloud seriously uh it seems like it's very squarely focused on customers who don't currently use filemaker who don't work with hosting companies Maybe even customers who don't currently have relationships with like FBAs or FBA Platinums, but but people who are um, who uh, just want to like start with something. It was really difficult in the earlier version of cloud to start up a FileMaker server. It was a lot of steps and a lot of complexity, and you know, yes, you had to license like licensing was complex. They've made massive strides to simplify all those things. Well, I mean that's. Yeah, the, my concern is that they want, they make more money 
if you sign up for FileMaker Cloud, obviously, because you're paying for everything that you would have to pay for yourself as a company internally, which would be your maintenance, your security, mm-hmm. and you know keeping things up and running. If they're going to yep. manage the infrastructure, that's what you're paying the extra for. So they got rid mm-hmm. of the... Um, they got rid of shared hosting. So basically, they booted um, multiple clients off of boxes. That was their first strategic move where they said, mm-hmm. okay, you know, we're not going to allow 20 people to be on a box. If you're on a FileMaker server, the server's got to be licensed to your company, and now we've got that. Okay, I'm fine with that. And they've now taken that multiple people onto the infrastructure for themselves. But my concern is, are they going to continue to push till that's all they offer? And I and we heard a lot of uh, a lot of cloud 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 at DevCon, mm-hmm. and there were some people that I talked to. I don't know if you heard the podcast I talked with Martha Zink, where there are on-prem people that are just like, we're not going to put our information on the cloud. You mm-hmm. know, are they are they going to eventually end up in that direction? I hope not. I, hope I can't not. I can't see how they would because there's there's a whole bunch of really important customers that they have that really, that the cloud is not on their roadmap, that on-premises servers are going to be what they're going to run until forever. Yeah. Just just like on-premises servers are going to be key for Oracle and .NET and a lot of other, a lot of other technologies. Um, so what do you think but about the... But their strategy, the, their cloud-first strategy, I think, is the key. That's, that's what's interesting. Well, I, I love it. I mean, for somebody who is a small company who needs to get up and running, if that company is making money... FileMaker has become increasingly somewhat prohibitive uh, when you compare it to other options, maybe open source, but it is closed source, it's proprietary, mm-hmm. they have the technology, it's super stable, it's well-rounded, it works, you can just get your solution up on the web. Your five people can connect and it's a relatively reasonable price. Yep. Yeah, price per user is very similar to actually less than a lot of other major players. Or at least having to pay to have custom development done. If you're going to do right. something, you know, React with the back end of MongoDB and uh, mm-hmm. all this other stuff, oh, you're looking at way higher costs. Yeah. So relatively speaking, it's really nice. But what's your thought process on them keeping the best stuff for themselves? And I'm, by that, I mean yeah. the, they're using Linux. Linux kicks the crap out of pretty much anything because it's just... It's just raw text. It's just straight. It doesn't carry the overhead that Windows has of running its UI or the Mac and running its UI. It's just like you can get performance out of Linux, but that's uh, okay. That's that just said, them. have you done performance testing? What's we that? have done performance testing. Um, a and being FileMaker's current cloud offering, the current new one. Yeah. And the servers that we run on AWS, and. Uh, the the servers, the FileMaker cloud servers are about twice as slow as the ones we're offering right now in the same data center. So, and you you did that on spec for spec, like you know yeah, spec what for spec. We, we use the what same megahertz database. they're using, what how much no, memory. No, we, we can't do that. We, none of that stuff's exposed. See, all I haven't seen is, their UI. All I'm saying is if you put a FileMaker database on FileMaker cloud, it performs perfectly well. But it's twice as fast if you put it on one of the AWS servers that we have been hosting and and doing. We've got I don't know many of them now. Um, uh, you've over got the a last lot bunch of tests of that you've got to run on that though. You've got so many. Yeah, no, we haven't done we haven't done exhaustive tests, but all the tests we have latency, done. Latency, the number of uh, right. the network path, how many? You know, yeah, NICs. but it's presumably in the same data center. It's in it's in US West. 
Yeah, but know. even the same data center doesn't – you're lacking a lot of information about, you know, what actual hardware it's sitting on. You know. So are you saying that under all circumstances, FileMaker Cloud, because it's Linux, should outperform Windows? No, because, not sir, in, you're wrong. <laughs> no, 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 not in all. I, I'm, I'm saying we're lacking some information in the Ooh, metrics. Yeah, we definitely are. But from the standpoint of server software, Linux tends to be the dominator for most implementations for server appliances. I'll give you that. Compared to Windows, I'll definitely give you that. I mean, it, um, Windows obviously it they've they're they're no slouch. They're doing really well. No, but. but I also think that the OS of what the server is doesn't really matter that much for the performance, because what does matter is the the other infrastructure, right? The like the latency, the speed of the SSD drive, and what class of drive you're using. Um, there's so many. I know a lot about AWS because I'm AWS certified, and we have many many servers there. Um, and I, you know, I can really geek out about all the different levels of um, of things you can buy and how you can configure a server and how performance scales and CPU credits on T2 class versus T3 class machines and all that other stuff. Oh yeah, don't um, you love it when those credits are just eaten up and you're trying to update your your Windows OS? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's easy ways around it. There's a checkbox for um, unlimited. Um, so that the credits, if they get eaten up, it um, will just go. It'll start charging you. Yeah. Per CPU credit, the one that really kills you is the drive credit. If you are doing some gigantic data move or a backup, and your drive credit gets eaten up, then you're mm. then you, it's more problematic. There's a way around that one too, though. <laughs> Any of the credits, they take you off guard if you're not familiar with them. The first time that you get hit by them, you're like, "Holy crap! This used to be fast. Why is it slow?" <laughs> right. So I think FileMaker. Um, I'm going to go ahead and borrow the phrase, to their credit, even though it's not apropos of what we're talking about, has solved all those things for the customer. So they, they don't have to worry about CPU credits. You don't have to worry about disk space. You get, like, what, six gigabytes of space per user. So if you as you keep adding more users, you just keep getting more space. Or you can just buy more space if you have big databases. So all the they've, – they've really made it extremely simple for a basic user coming to it. Um, to be able to just deploy a system and have it be almost as easy to deploy as like Airtable or, and maybe even easier than something like Google um, App Maker. Which is all really cool. We just need to, uh, which actually brings me to, they, I think I saw a chart somewhere where they, I think it was a, a I forget where I saw it, but it's something where they want to focus on the education part too, which for mm. me was like, a big hooray. I was like, mm -hmm. yay, that's like totally good. Here, I have to give the applause. I just have to. <laughs> <laughs> that's That to me, for every technology that I've ever been involved with, whether it was uh, learning JavaScript, learning Drupal, and l learning PHP, it was the degree, the amount, and how well the documentation was presented that allows you to learn and use the technology to its best. Mm -hmm. And they've got great help docs, but people just don't go into docs very much. They go to various different sources, and hopefully they will kick that up. Of course, I mean... Yeah, so what videos like yours, and AppWorks has quite a few videos you can get for free now, too. Yeah, I, well, I don't... That'll be interesting to see uh, what type of outreach they do to their community outside. Because FileMaker in the past has always tried to do everything themselves. Um, or that's my perception. They had their own yeah. training. They had their own 
certification. And a lot of other markets didn't necessarily do that. They would leverage their third-party markets really well through partnering and things like that. And I'm hoping yeah, that but will be the transition that they're making. Yeah, so you, you have a business to sell videos, and you your, your particular model is you know getting people who really have intense um, interest in the platform and are pretty deep and can watch a longer video. What's your target length for videos? Oh, gosh. I, I would like to do videos that are 20 minutes long, but I think I always end up being like 40 minutes to 50 minutes each video I do. Yeah, that's a, that's a really specific, and there's a, there's a large segment of people who love that. That is an Although, investment of time that, it is. Uh, unless you're into it, you will be bored. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, at AppWorks, we try to make videos that are five minutes or less and focus on like one feature. And all of ours are free, too. Yours are actually charged because they're way more... You, you plan the content very carefully and, and curate it. Well, that's um, the tar that's ideal time. I think YouTube what YouTube discovered it was 10 minutes in between 10 and 15. Hmm, okay. Ideal time frame or the attention span that somebody will give you before you've got serious drop-off. Oh, yeah. That's just kind of neuroscience. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, five minutes. How long minutes, your brain can focus. That's great. We just tried to do five. It takes. It actually takes considerably longer to make a five-minute video than an eight-minute video because <laughs> you have to really condense down and, and pick what you're not going to say. Oh, gosh, that's true. Um, I love that old phrase. I'm sorry I didn't have a chance to write a three-page paper. Um, all I had time for was a six-page paper. <laughs> Sounds like me. I tend to wax poetic when I'm discussing a topic. Trying to improve that. Trying to improve it. So um, have you noticed the amount of information about FileMaker has been expanding in yes. the world of, uh, let's say, podcast? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you and I go back a long time. So uh, uh, back in the day, even before FileMaker Talk was me and Dan Weiss uh, doing a data saw. And then he came back and he's got episodes coming out pretty regularly. Oh, uh, to this day? I don't know if he stopped. I haven't checked in a little bit. I still talk to him all the time, but we don't usually talk about podcasts. Ah. Um, yeah, and then there's see. a few other new players, too. I am was scrolling the... to get a list here so that we oh, make yeah, sure we get all it. of them. Um, I, missed, so... I missed the FileMaker success tips, guys. Those, you said you had a story about them I want to hear. Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, Andy, the guy that um, he was doing that with a gentleman named Lee, mm -hmm. and I have a friend who happens to be in the 3D digital printing world, and mm. uh, I went to this conference. I forget what it's called, but it was back in like Indiana or Pennsylvania, somewhere back there, and I went with that friend. He had started a 3D podcast at the time when his FileMaker podcast was wrapping up, and he walked up, had no clue who I was, and I was helping my <laughs> friend presenting at this booth what's called an extruder for a 3D printer. And I'm like, hey, Andy, how are you? And he's like, uh, how do you know me? I said, I'm Matt. I'm the, I'm, I was in the world of FileMaker. And he goes like, boom, light bulb comes on. He's like, no oh, way. yeah. <laughs> That's a, crazy. I mean, of all things, you know, you cross paths in a completely unrelated industry. Yeah, that's actually one guy in the Portland scene who I've uh, used to work with, I don't know, 10 years ago. I've run into him twice in the last month in completely different places. Uh, once just last night, actually. Yeah, it's just it's a small world. Small six degrees, man. Six degrees. Yeah, it's true. So we've, so, got, uh, we've got, there's one called FileMaker Off the Record. And they've, uh, they've been doing a number. That's Thomas Makwa. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's another one, Fireside FileMaker. That's uh, John Mark Osborne. Um, there is, and John Mark Osborne and um, Michael Richard. Then oh, yeah, yeah. 
the Contacts podcast. That's uh, Todd Geist, uh, but Jeremy uh, Brown is uh, mm-hmm. leading that one. Um, they just had a really good one, actually. It gave us an idea for the topic we'll be talking about. Uh, the FileMaker Bros. Uh, Martin Williams is the only <laughs> name that I see here. A couple uh. of guys. Uh, but all of these seem to pop up right around or after DevCon. Um, yeah, we've got seven episodes on that one. Uh, no, they started in July of 2019, before DevCon. Matt, we left a vacuum. We have to get back on our game. What's the vacuum? Uh, like not having episodes come out that you and I. <laughs> yeah, about every, everybody else has episodes except for us. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, life life changes. I haven't been listening to very many podcasts either because I've been listening to books like crazy. Because you're uh, going for improving other areas of your life, right? Well, there's that. I also set a crazy goal on January 1st to read, to listen to or read uh, 100 books in 2019. I'm at 82. I'm going to meet my goal. That's, that's serious. That's a lot of books. It's a lot of books. These aren't children's books that are 25 pages? No, they're mostly, (laughs) most of the audio ones are between, I'd say seven and 12 hours. So a book that's 30 hours, I'm saving till next year. <laughs> I'll have, to, oh I'll have a different goal for next year. <laughs> and do you get to uh, do you get to cheat and use audiobooks or? Well, I, I mostly have only listened to audiobooks for the last ten plus years. Okay. Um, yeah, but I've also read a lot of them in print. Well, that's uh, that's admirable, and I probably could not do that not with my schedule with three kids. Yeah, I have zero kids. That may be the difference. <laughs> it's a big difference. Yeah, and, and just, I don't know, I, like, I, I listen at all the little dead spaces of the day. So getting, you know, riding my bike around to and from work, um, wake up in the middle of the night, can't sleep, obsessing about some script I'm writing <laughs> or whatever. Um, putting on a book will totally put my brain into the channel of that thing and then... I'll forget about whatever I was worried about and and then eventually get tired again and then I'll wake up and the book's still playing. <laughs> so I have You're a lot like, of, oh, I do crud, a, what, what point do, do I have to rewinding. go back to? Yeah, I can usually do that pretty fast. Well, cool. Well, speaking of books, books give you a lot of new information. So um, mm, our topic... Nice segue. <laughs> I, oh, I'm, I need to give the real segue. Real segue. There we go. That's the segue? I don't know. It's just it's just a segue. <laughs> um, learning. Um, so the recent podcast that I listened to uh, from Jeremy and uh, he was sort of interviewing Todd Geist, talking about like fundamentals and principles that you should know in FileMaker. One of the questions he had, which I'm probably preempting them. Sorry, Jeremy. Um, how do you go about learning FileMaker? And I thought that was a really good question and i mean obviously we're i don't think we're going to steal anything from them because they're going to cover however they're going to cover it but i thought mm-hmm. to myself having worked with filemaker for as long as we have we have to force ourselves into a situation of what should we learn first what should we what areas should we approach because you and i and many other people that are probably listening to this they have the accumulation of knowledge such that when 19 comes out or 20 comes out or whatever the next version is 
it's just a few little pieces to add to everything that we already know. But mm-hmm. what if you didn't know FileMaker today? And that's so hard to put ourselves in that mindset of, I open this thing, and it's just a blank canvas. Well, it shows three three different colors, because you've got the three parts of a layout, which I wish they'd yeah. change. Header, body, and footer. footer. By default. <laughs> and so, where do you start? Mm-hmm. So, do you are any of your videos or any of the things you do targeted for beginners? No, most of what I cover is heavy, intermediate, and sometimes upper advanced. For example, mm-hmm. I just covered uh, integrating a JavaScript widget and you know working on um, bi-directional communication and making this uh, sand key uh, diagram, which that was an awesome video. You should go look at that. Yeah, I want to do that. So I, I actually just finished, what, a week or two ago? Teach, teaching a class for beginners. Like seven students came to our office and it was a straight-up beginner FileMaker class. Um, and so I thought a lot. I've been thinking a great deal about this. Also, I'm taking college courses again after 30 years off. And I took a course recently on pedagogy, how to teach, okay. which I never have done in 30 years of, well, haven't been teaching FileMaker that long. I've been teaching FileMaker for 20, though. And I never knew about things like teaching sequences and the kind of prep that you really need to do as an instructor to make the information stick. And concepts like if someone reports right after the class is done that they really liked it, that that's very, very different than asking them two months later what they can remember. And and what they can remember two months later is actually what's important, not that they enjoyed the process of the class because it was easy. So I've been, I've been employing a lot of really specific techniques, like 20 minute long segments for teaching, taking a lot of breaks, having students teach each other things, a lot more time for hands-on and a lot less time for lecture, asking questions that they shouldn't know the answer to and making them think and giving them some time to come up with an answer. That's a good one. Um, uh, not just asking a question but call, and having the smart person answer it, but calling on specific people, making sure that every single person in the class actually speaks and so you don't let anyone not get, you know, just show up and, and just be silent for the whole day. Right. Um, there's a ton of little things like that that I learned. Um, and I've been putting them into into use in these classes I've been teaching. And it's been amazing. I have loved, loved, loved teaching. So let's apply it to FileMaker. Right. I know so, nothing about FileMaker, Mr. Navar. Please mm-hmm. tell me where what I should learn or what I should do first. So first of all... If you're going to come to this class, you're going to come to the class because you just got a job at a place that uses FileMaker, or you've been working there for a couple of years and you've sort of been working as as the a user of the database, and now they want you to do some development or something. That's much more realistic than a person coming in and and you know throwing a dartboard at a at a wall of technologies and picking FileMaker and going paying money for a class. Okay. I, I don't think it's realistic. Uh, I don't think FileMaker really is getting a lot of new people who are starting who haven't heard of it or used it or worked with it before at the moment. Anyway, anyway, when I teach, um, that's what I'm looking at. So I actually start with something that's pretty hard. I start with a button bar um, and the calculation dialog and performing functions that do one thing. And getting and um, like create a button to go back and forth from a list layout to a uh, form layout, and then kind of build on technologies one on top of that. So 
I, I used to actually always start with data modeling. You can't do that. I, I stopped boring. Doing it. it's, <laughs> it's, it's also really difficult. Uh, yeah. Data modeling doesn't come to you until fundamentals click usually a ways down the road. You're just, yeah. you, you, you can't, you know, starting in database development, you just don't conceptually think about what the impacts are on a, a fat table versus a narrow table. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, data that sh when you make it really normalized and it's super narrow, it then becomes super hard to report. I, I got, I heard that on their uh, podcast as well, but I kept thinking things that mm -hmm. I do naturally, that's true. Like somebody would can ask, I've got this highly normalized data and I want to print it. The first thing they don't know is where I need to print from. Um, you're printing an invoice. You don't print from mm -hmm. the invoices table. You print from the line items table. Mm -hmm. But then on top of that, if you've got a, a, a normalized structure that's so normalized that you really can't even get the data, many times I will go use Execute SQL in order to pull and combine the data, put it into a web viewer, and use like a plugin to actually generate HTML to PDF in order to generate the report. But that's right. completely outside of the scope of doing something all within FileMaker. Right. So True. it's like it, it, it's a thought process that comes easy to me just because I've had to have been exposed to those things. But when you're just getting started with FileMaker, I mean, just making the leap to I need to print this report from a completely different table than the one that I'm thinking it should be from is a big jump. So the reason I start with button bars is I think it's actually one of the most powerful widgets in all of FileMaker because it's essentially a layout calculation object. Yep. And within button bars... If you start with that, you can you can do first you just type a name for the button and you give it a thing to go from one view to another, and then you say okay now we're going to do a calculation and we're going to show name we're going to show um, text on this button bar that says you know export record format navar, and then you just use the export records dialog, and then you maybe at some point in the class another day or something like that build a relationship and now you have a company and contact and person and phone and email or whatever. And you want to say, you know, add a phone number or list me the, or, you know, list me um, the, the first two names who work at this company. And if there's more than two people, then say, and two more. And so the text of the button is actually a somewhat complex calculation that shows you data and also shows you there's more data that can fit. And you're not using SQL and you're using really basic, you know, and you just kind of build one thing at a time, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. And, you, and I, I've, I've really focused on a few things, only 10 calculations and only button bars, not buttons. Um, you know, I really avoid a lot of other widgets on the layout. I keep it really simple and just kind of do that. I also, on the very first part of calculations, I cover the let function and the case function. There we go. That's... Now you're, you're now you're talking my uh, my direction, but I really and you like know what, what beginner you users a beginner user on the first day can actually write a let statement. Yep, and I think there's a lot of people that they just get it way too late and they get and they avoid it. This is what I love about your example. What you started to provide is basically a conceptual approach to what how you end up being a good filemaker developer. A I'm not going to. If you're a listener, I'm not going to tell you you're a bad FileMaker developer if you use calculations, but that is what happens when 
when users get started with FileMaker, they get into the uh, to the managed database mm-hmm. and they see this thing called calculations. Mm-hmm. I can calculate anything and I can yep. calculate everything. And you end up with a ratio of 50-50. 50% of your fields are actual data and then 50% of mm-hmm. the rest of those are calculations, which mm-hmm. completely drag the database down. And the well, notion of yeah. being able – yeah, they can. Uh, if they're on stored, then they have no impact, but you know. Yeah. Except except performance. Well, most of the time what they end up at being is unstored if they're referencing globals or whatever. Yeah. This is once you start to understand globals. But the the whole notion that displaying uh, calculated data when it's needed typically does not require an actual field. You can get things on the layout that will render what you need to show with exactly what you just talked about, with the button bar. If you have access to the calculation engine, when you end up on that layout, you can get that count right there. And it doesn't have to be calculated mm-hmm. for multiple record rows for the whole data set. Yep. And that's that's a key concept, is learning how to... It's sort of like when you're a kid. My kids just had Halloween. They will destroy their teeth. They will destroy their health. They will destroy themselves if you let them, with reckless abandon, eat as much candy as they want. <laughs> so I can still remember when I did that when I was a kid. <laughs> so as a FileMaker developer, the course is you have to learn how to trim the fat. Everything mm-hmm. that allowed you to get it done in the early days, you have to learn how to do that efficiently. And that's, yeah, that's cool. I totally love that you're like, yeah, learn the let function. Because yeah, that's another, compartmentalizing things. There's another concept that I learned pretty recently, but it, t- it makes a lot of sense. Um, if you know how it's going to end, then there's a lot less um, fear of the thing. So, like, if you if you look at if you're introduced to a subject, and you actually see kind of the complex part of it, and you can sort of understand it, then you can kind of step back and build to that point, and you kind of know where you're going. So if I just have them just basically follow and write exactly what I write and write a let function and make it a really simple one and just to find two variables and then we add another variable and add another variable and add a case statement and just like tweak it one little thing at a time, one little thing at a time, show really, really simple things, explain concatenation. Um, then at the end, they actually are now looking at a pretty complex function that they wrote. They wrote, they typed every character. And they can always put in their own data, too. Like, here, put yeah. in your own name and put in – because that gives it validity and meaning. Yeah, I encourage them to do that, but often they just do exactly what uh, what I do. Um, it's a different point. Like when, when it comes to layout design, I think it's, um, it's much more creative. It's much easier to be creative because you can just pick a different color or pick a different theme. Um, I don't know. I'm, and I'm not really even saying that I'm a, an awesome teacher or – anything uh, I, I I'm saying that I have a, a ton of fun in working really hard to impart these ideas and I get really excited sharing the knowledge with people yep and I I'm hoping that that infectious you know spirit kind of lives on um, I've trained a lot of filemaker developers over the time I've been here in Portland um, many of which work at customers we have and a bunch of them are friends of mine and just other developers in the community um, I don't know. I just, I really like that part. Yeah. For myself, I mean, I don't even really know. I don't even think about the number of how many people. I think I've helped a lot of people going all the way back to when in the 90s when we were creating content and 
multiple websites and we had the book mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it's always been for me the fact that once I feel empowered, I want other people to feel the same way that I do about that empowerment. And that's what drives me to teach people of this is so cool. You can look at what you can do. And lately, the best way I've found for learning. So if somebody came to me and said, okay, what should I do to learn? The number one thing I say is you have to have something that you are motivated by that will push you through the parts that you maybe don't find as interesting. So if you're Oh, I so agree with that. If you're on the job and you're working on a database and you could care less about the topic that the company where you work is about, get out of that. You have to go make your personal FileMaker database that does something. That is what will cause you to push through all of the hurdles. And yeah, then, because that that problem you've actually thought about. Even if it's just like uh, organizing a list of books that you loan out to friends and you you do it so often you want to have you want to think you you've actually thought about what data you're tracking. So now all you have to do is figure out how to use FileMaker to do that. That's yeah. why that is such a good strategy. Exactly. Even if the software already exists, you could say I'm not going to replicate this whole software. I'm just going to replicate one little area of it where I think it could be better. How mm-hmm. would I implement that feature? How would mm-hmm. I do that? And then I always ask the, the this this really beautifully ties in to the lesson for um, data modeling. It's like, oh, okay, you're going to track that thing. What data tables do you need? What are the fields in those tables? You know, what is an entity? What is an attribute? Yep. And getting them thinking about that. You because know, never, that's the easiest way to really understand relational design, I think. And exposure. I think if I had to say with the second thing, exposure to what you don't know, you don't know, right? You don't know until you know it. So mm-hmm. exposure to other people's solutions, whatever you can get access to. Now, the great thing is that a lot of the companies out there put stuff out there. Um, I forget what the company is. Uh, I don't know. Excelsis has one, I think. There's another one called Core something. Um, mm, mm-hmm. R- Richard Carlton has his. They all have mm. their starter, starter templates. Yeah. yeah. So go get any one of those, whichever one appeals to your fancy, whichever one looks the prettiest or does the most. The first thing I would teach anybody to do is to use the debugger. Learn how to use the debugger because if you can use FileMaker's debugger in order to step through other people's code, you are able to look line by line what something is doing. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the done the best or the most efficient or mm-hmm. what have you, but that learning process of how they solved that particular little problem adds to your knowledge. And it it's just like yeah, learning definitely. a language. It's completely cumulative. You can even of, start just with the FileMaker templates or the FileMaker add-on tables because those, uh, those things have code. Those are pretty... I agree with you. They're, they're very simple and also not necessarily best practice in a lot of areas, but they're really, really good examples of that. Uh, and I also agree with you about debugger. Also, one of the first things I show is data viewer. And if you're going to write a function, write it in the data viewer and then copy oh, yeah. and paste it. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, that that's actually, if somebody opened up FileMaker, I'd say before you even open Manage Database, it's like, yeah, spend some time, learn some of the core functions, mm-hmm. let being one of them. 
Um, gosh, and then I mean, yeah, and beep is a super useful. <laughs> oh my! I can't what's it's still there? Okay, so <laughs> here's my question: of all of FileMaker's script steps, what's the first one that comes to mind? Perform script. <laughs> oh, for me, it was set field. That's that's very meta. That is. Um, that's, yeah, well, I, I have a little. Um, uh, it, the key ones that I use are go to layout, enter find mode, set field, perform find. That that set of four is insanely powerful. Insanely uh, powerful. Now you know what I'm going to set I'm, variable. I'm going to I'm going to provide all the listeners with a tip. Hmm? We learned this one long ago. I know you know it. So list those that sequence of steps again. So, uh, yeah, I know you're going to tell me too. So, uh, <laughs> um, go to layout, enter find mode, set field, perform find. So flip your first two. Yeah. Enter find mode first. Yes. For speed. Yes. Because yeah. when you get over to the layout, the layout has to load however many records it needs to present plus it's uh, cache in order to account for scrolling. Yeah, or, you're absolutely right. So if you enter into find mode first, you save all of the data loading that needs to happen, and you end up in a query form ready on that layout. I'm going to throw you another tip right now. Go for it. Another, another one of those four that I just mentioned is perform find. If you just do the perform find step all by itself, it actually has a whole configuration area. Oh, yeah. That's totally useless. Do not use it under what? any circumstances ever. No. I, no, 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 no. I love set no, variable, you're, you're and then wrong. you're going to use that variable nope. within the perform find step. No. No, do not enter into find. You can use perform find with variables and do no, whatever I, you want. I, I get that. <laughs> it doesn't work reliably. It doesn't work predictably, especially with any kind of thing that's related. It doesn't give you the full calculation dialogue. Avoid it at all costs. It's, it's a feature that's left over from times of yore. So you you're, don't you're, use you're, perform find, just the step alone. I use the perform find step all by itself. I never use its configuration because it does not work reliably. Wow. I haven't, well, I mean, I can't say that I've hit any, that, any issues with it. Was there a specific issue with a system that you had where it didn't work? Oh, many reliably? times. Oh yeah. Yeah. Many times. Well, is I, it because I would, I would, I, I, let's see, I'm trying to remember the last time it's happened. It's been a little bit, but a lot of times customers would come to us with some solution that they thought that was the way to do it. It's also really hard to debug. And so they'd have some find that does something and says, find all the records where there's no related person record, but there's also the state is the state or something like that, which you can try to configure with that step. But if you just say, enter find mode, set field to a variable, new record, set field, emit request, you know, something like that, you can see and debug it. Oh, you can yeah. watch it happen on your layout. And you can test it without actually just by doing a regular find and, and, and then you know for sure it's going to work exactly like you want. So we should clarify. You're, you're talking about a multi-request type of find, not just a simple go search, you know, two fields even, in a, even in a, a single request. Uh, the reason, yes, I am talking about that because even though you can do a simple find to say search two fields in a request, you can also use a button instead of a button bar. But why yeah. would you? 
A button bar is 100% replacement for a button. There's not a single feature a button has that a button bar doesn't. So I discontinued use of the button tool entirely. Oh, there is one, though. This, the states. that It bugs me that they did not give us independent control over the states. The active versus inactive state is a lot different on a button bar than it is on a regular button. What they need to do is they need to basically fix the button and make it so that it uses a calculation engine, just like a button bar. Right. Because then well, it has only its hover and pressed state. But from a UI standpoint, that's the only difficult thing to deal with. Is when you click on that, when on any layout, you click on a button bar segment, you've now activated the active state. And it's something extra that you have true. to account for. Yep, I'll give you that. But that's a different thing that you have to account for. But it's different than actually like a functionality that's been replaced. Um, so I, I, I choose a minimal palette of tools when possible. Uh, here's another example. We're nerding out, but I love this. Okay, you have the if calculation and the case calculation. Uh, to me, case is switch, and I only need it when I have more than two options. Otherwise, I'm always using the if. In fact, I see really? people's legacy databases where they choose, and I know that you're, this is what you're going to say, just use the case. No, <laughs> it doesn't read well. I hate that. <laughs> Use the if. The if is so awesome. <laughs> nice, Again, you're wrong. Nice big rolling eyes there. <laughs> if, if always has the else, case doesn't. You can do a case statement that only has one statement, which is not possible with if. Yeah, it is. No, it isn't. Yeah, you can have if. has if. an else. No. You can't have an if without an else. Go into a, go into a data viewer right now. Put in, put in if, if test result. And otherwise it will return nothing. But you, you have to have the other. You have to have the other semicolon. No, you don't. That's new. No, no, it's been that way for a long all right, time. All right, I'm going to test. I this. think going back, wait, of like <laughs> 16 or 15, they changed that when oh, they okay, saw well, that people were using case as a one result type of uh, logical uh, logic. Yeah, operation. that's only one small reason why I, I use case. Um. From a readability standpoint, case is like what? What are you talking about? My briefcase? What case? <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, I see. So Every other programming language uses switch. <laughs> uh, that doesn't bother me at all. No, I mean, once you get used to it, it doesn't. But I, there, you know, that's actually a funny thing. If you are learning FileMaker, if you're attempting to learn it and you get into an old FileMaker solution, you are going to see holdovers such as this exact thing that we're talking about. The fact that uh, developers would use case because case would allow you to have a uh, just a single test and a single result, whereas if in the past forced you to have a test, a, a positive result, and a negative result. But uh, that's no longer the case. Okay. I just, I, I love that. I did not know that they changed if in that way, because I've discontinued use of it so long ago, but you're, I just tested it and you're right. You can actually have it be if case result and then with no else result. Yep. I'm glad and to know that. There is always, I'm telling you, there is always something to learn. I forget. It was like, I think a couple weeks ago and I'm open up this database and I see somebody populating. Oh uh, no, it was the, I think it was Daniel Woods icons database or something like that. And he had picked up, I think from, I forget where, but an empty web mm -hmm. viewer. I did not know that the web viewer can render and does not have to have any calculation within it whatsoever. As long as you use a set web viewer, if you target that web viewer by name, 
with HTML, it will render that HTML. It doesn't have to have a calculation within the calculation dialog box of a web viewer. Blew me away when I saw that. It's like, what? What? How are these people doing this? And it just worked. So you put a web viewer on a layout. Yeah. Uh-huh. Give it a name. Call it web viewer in the sure. uh, inspector panel. And then use a uh, uh, set web viewer or the, uh, whatever the script step is to update the web viewer. And you can, you can push HTML into it and it will just render it. That's crazy. Yeah. You, you, I love that. You don't have to. Uh, and I was just like, are you, um, if you want to see it, the Carafe database, I believe. Uh, oh, okay. From Saliant. You can go download their, their database, which, uh, oh, that's a whole nother topic there. The growing need for JavaScript knowledge. Yeah, for sure. What other subjects did we have on our list to talk about today? I love that we nerd out. <laughs> I, you know, I think other people like that we do too when we're when we're getting in here and, and talking about things. I mean, and these discoveries. That I mean, that's what's great about FileMaker. It is a constant discovery of of what you can do. But you know what's so incredible about FileMaker is you look and compare FileMaker to a language like Java. So, like FileMaker. You open it and it's like a baby's dictionary. It's like goo ga and boo ba. But you open <laughs> you open up the docs for Java, yeah. and it's like every word from every language in the world. You just you cannot know. So from the yeah. standpoint of learning, not to say that FileMaker FileMaker obviously can be extremely complex, but I'm comparing mm-hmm. it to to Java. If you're learning FileMaker. Do not allow the amount of documentation and amount of things that are there to overwhelm you. So when you look at the list of functions, don't let the list of functions overwhelm you. Just think about what it is that you're trying to solve. Go do research. Look in forums. Look in the FileMaker community. See how other people suggest for it to be solved. And even if you solve it in a way that Two years down the road, you can't believe that you did that. That was the knowledge that you had to have in order to build upon. You can always optimize and improve something. And that's that's another good uh, learning tip I would give people. Yes, for it's sure. Like, no matter what the environment is, you will be overwhelmed. Yeah, iterate. I mean, in a word, right? Yep. Start simple, iterate. You know, to build your systems so that, so that they can be amended and modified and, you know, don't hard code things. Yeah, I think for me, it's like um, I use Final Cut to edit my videos. I think I probably use 2% of what Final Cut can do. And it's On purpose, I, though. Uh, <laughs> well, yes, for me, I want to just get it out and get it done. Okay. But there are times where I'm like, you know what, this is bugging me. I feel like this is taking me longer than it should. It's at that moment that you then take a little sidetrack, you go off, do some research of, okay, how do I um, edit faster in uh, Final Cut? You get a YouTube video, and they're like, okay, well, here, do this, and here, do that. And you pick up these little tips as you go along, because there's no way you can get 20 years of experience in two months. It just has to be a slow pickup process. Mm-hmm. So, any other learning tips, suggestions? No, but let's pick this up when we record next in a year and a half. <laughs> um, you know what? We should get people to, okay, if you're listening to the podcast, give us a reason. Tell us 
why we should record next week because Matt Navarre can't get out of his work schedule and I can't get uh, out of mine by sending us suggestions. What would you like us to cover? I think we have the what do we have the email address Matt at FileMaker Talk. We still have that Matt at FileMakerTalk.com. Yeah, I think I'm not it sure works. where those go. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, we'll try sending email to that and we'll see if it works. And if it doesn't, we can fix it because we own the domain. That's true. All right. Well, are we going to wrap this one up? I say let's wrap it and on a good note. All right. So that's the good note. <laughs> and that's the real note. That's yeah, lots of notes with drums and things. <laughs> All right, buddy. It's been good to talk with you, man. We need to do it, like we say, more often. Yes. Let's just start scheduling. All right. Till next time, folks. <laughs>